New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Today, we'll be speaking with Ento Ficatier, Editorial Director for Western Europe at Ypulse. He's here to discuss the ways in which young consumers in Western Europe differ from young consumers in North America. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Gabriela. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Every month, I have an interview that covers new research into young consumer trends and attitudes. Typically, the conversation is anchored in research conducted in North America, but it's important to remember that young consumers aren't a global monolith, and Ypulse doesn't only conduct research in North America. It also looks at young consumers in Western Europe. So before we dive into our conversation about the ways in which young consumers in Western Europe are unique, can you give listeners a bit of context about why Pulse's work in Western Europe, who you're surveying, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them, sample size, margin of error, just set the context for us. Yeah, sure. We are conducting our survey at the same frequency in, in Western Europe as we do in North America. We take the polls on young people every day and every week for our behavioral report. In Western Europe, we survey five countries, the UK, France, Germany, Spain, and Italy. These are very different countries, right? But at the same time, there is homogeneity within this region. So it's really important. And every time we ask young consumers questions, we do have the data for these five countries. In terms of the, the age, we are serving exactly the same age bracket. So right now it's 13 to 39 years old, who we call Gen Z and millennials. And in terms of a sample survey, we are on 500 young consumers per country, which means it's a total of 2,500 young consumers who are surveyed every time we, we, we launch a new survey. Fantastic. Now, as you mentioned, there are five countries and, and there are distinctions within that. The Brexit vote in the UK was reportedly driven by older voters who wanted to lean into their own culture and were concerned that they were being pushed into a European identity. And it begs the question, is there, broadly speaking, among the youth population you survey, a consistency? Are you seeing an element of Western European youth culture or, or are you really seeing diversity by country, although there are some similarities? Where would you, how do you parse that? Yeah, I would say there is definitely coherence in the story that we receive on the ground from young consumers across the region. Mm-hmm. That being said, there is something slightly unique about the UK. And okay. let me just take one simple example. There are only two countries in the whole of Europe, actually, who allow data collection based on race and ethnicity. And these two countries are Ireland and the UK. So you huh. see there is yeah, there is something quite specific about the UK. I myself live in, in South London. The best way I describe the UK to other people is there's one foot in the old continent and one foot in North America, the way I see it. 
Oh, that's interesting. So they would be closest to in terms of of the culture. That's that's fascinating. As we move through our conversation, if there is an individual country that was surveyed that is anyway an outlier to the generalizations that we're talking in terms of Western Europe, I'd love if you could flag that. And it sure it it would be interesting. I think you know now. In North America, young consumers are experiencing a mental health crisis and they're aware of it and they think about it and they talk about it. Is this also true of young consumers in Western Europe? The short answer is yes. And this is because of the global pandemic, which obviously also happened in Western Europe. And it had a really, really bad impact on young Europeans' mental health. That being said, I'm from France, and I can tell you that mental health still has a bit of a stigma in uh. Western Europe. So in our data, what we're seeing is that young consumers in, in general are not as ready or open to talk about their mental health the way North American consumers are. And in general, so what we're saying is that their mental, their mental health in general is as you said, is not is not great, and that's across the board. But it's not as bad as young consumers in in North America. And in our survey, we ask a ton of questions to young consumers, and we ask how they're in their mental mental health in different categories, if you will. Mm. And in almost all categories, or all the questions we ask about their mental health, young Europeans are just less likely than North Americans to say that they feel depressed, that they feel a lack of energy or mentally exhausted, or that their life is out of balance. So all that to say that young Europeans' mental health is, is not great, but it's, it's not as bad as North Americans. Right. Their self-assessment of where they are. And, and it's interesting because you think some of it may be societal comfort with calling it what it is. But there are also, I think it would be fair to say that there are some young consumer stressors that are specific to the U.S. Now, obviously, North America has Canada as well, but, you know, guns, it's the leading cause of death for children in the United States. Other countries do not have that. So when going to school, you don't have active shooter drills. That's a level of pervasive threat that maybe doesn't exist. There are other, there are commonalities though. Everybody's concerned about the environment or things like that. If you're a brand and you deal with Uh, self-care and mental health is part of that, does that mean that if you're targeting European customers, you lean into the self-care, but don't label it as mental health? Are they as interested in that kind of self-care, even if they don't want to name it what it is? Or is it just Um, not as as welcoming a market? No, you totally name it. You own it. Because while we're seeing that young Europeans are less likely to, to reach out for help, Okay. And part of it is is also structural. You know, there's there's no counselor in every school in 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 Western Europe in the way. I'm, oh, really? Think, they don't yeah, have yeah, they yeah. don't have counselors in school. No, you know, huh. you would have a nurse. But you don't have because we have guidance counselors in every school. Right? I know, I know. That's why that's why I use this example, right? Wow. Uh, just to give you, there's part of it is the culture and mm. the structure. But that being said, when we ask young consumers, would you like to hear? more from brands on the topic of mental health, they overwhelmingly say yes. Oh, they want to well, that's interesting. Brands. That's so, interesting. 
Yeah, they are they are very open to the to the question. They don't have a system in place that is as advanced, if you allow me to use this word for North America, the way it is in North America. But we're also seeing signs of, of, for example, just after the pandemic, the French government actually made it completely free for any citizen to go to see a mental health specialist. And that was just unthinkable, you know, 15 15, 20 well, years ago. well, I would say that's a that's an amazing thing. I wonder if they have the the number of specialists to serve the need. That's where well, yeah, it, it, yeah, becomes, that's it becomes a little challenging there. So now that's sort of their assessment of their as is where they are right now. But when they think about planning for themselves, thinking about like, oh, New Year's resolution, what am I going to do this year? What am I looking forward to? Do you see differences between North America and Western Europe? Yes, there are some big differences. And the biggest one I see is concerns travel. Young Europeans have traveling on top of their wish list for 2023. We're part of a culture in Western Europe where people are used to cross borders for a short weekend, weekend break or for a holiday. And when we ask young consumers, hey, what are your top resolutions for the year? To travel is their second top resolution for the year. What was their number one, just out of curiosity? Very interesting because it's linked to what we just discussed, mental health. Young Europeans this year want to prioritize their happiness. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting if they're looking forward to travel and it's it's these are something they want to do. And so I'm thinking if I'm a brand and I'm in the hospitality space or if I serve that I'm an airline, I'm a hotel chain, this is something I should be leaning into probably. So it's not oh, just yeah. this is something. Now, do you... Because I, I know you survey on a multitude of, of topics. Do you have any data around the type of things they look for in a holiday? You know, is it certain kinds of experiences? Are they looking for activities like they want to hike or they want to see museums or they want to just sack out and read? What does what does a holiday look like? I think for young Europeans right now, because of the few years that we've had without being able to travel, it's it's almost the sense that traveling is not it's not some it's not a given mm. so what's really interesting in our data is that we ask you know young consumers what life milestone would you like to accomplish this year and by you know life milestone we think about a birthday or i'm going to get married i'm going to buy a new home i'm going to graduate i'm going to get right. a job you know Standard those kind milestone of, things <laughs> right right and what we're seeing is that young Europeans are putting a holiday you know trip abroad as almost something that is a comparable to a life milestone. It wow. is their their second answer when we ask them as an open end, what is the life milestone you look forward to in, in 2023? So, you know, young Europeans are rediscovering the, the pleasure of, of just traveling, being abroad. That is something that is really ingrained in, in the culture. And we actually have some examples of governments who are just trying really hard to help young consumers to travel. For example, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing, but it's it's a funny one. France and Germany partnered the two governments to release free tickets for young consumers to be able to travel between the two countries. It reminds me of the old in tour with English young wealthy gentlemen. There was a part of their life where they would travel. That was part of your finishing that you would you would do this in North America. Gen Z is at the minority tipping point. 
which means that 50% of the generation is part of a minority. Now, obviously it's interesting. You can't actually assess within your survey population minority buckets, but do you know where Gen Z is with regard to minority numbers in Western Europe, or do you only have it for the UK and Ireland? Yeah, so uh, you know the answer, right? We <laughs> unfortunately only have it for the UK and, and Ireland, just because in, in all these countries, it is it is just simply illegal. And do it's they, fascinating. Do they survey it themselves? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking because we have had influx of immigrants from other parts of the world, and there have been cultural clashes that have resulted in nationalist candidates having better showings mm. than maybe they had several years ago. So it's interesting. Do they release, so they don't release even governmental statistics around this stuff? No, no. And and governments in, in Western Europe are, especially on the, on the continent, are they are deeply scarred by, you know, World War II. And, oh. you know, it was a time where citizens were you know, they were put into different categories based on on, oh. on, on their oh. ethnicity, also their sexual orientation, you know, and it just brings back old memories. So, so that, tracking that is just like, we don't want to even go there. We're not going to oh, go yeah, there. It, okay. oh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really, and that's across the board in, in all the European countries. There's just a sense of this is not something we're doing and we're not ready to, to embrace it just because of the weight of history and how it's been used in order to, to to destroy a certain population in our in our midst. So so really it's something that governments are are not ready yet to do. That being said, we do have the data for the UK. So okay. we, so we using the UK as a proxy for the rest of Europe, which yeah. it may or may not be similar to because it isn't contiguous. So if you have people traveling across and now they don't even have the open border. So it may be do you think it, it is less diverse? It, it, if anything, okay. it, it's probably a bit more diverse. Oh, interesting. You. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Due to the due to the oh, know, the Commonwealth, the I suppose you've got exactly. right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And just so many countries for the Commonwealth, and the UK had traditionally, you know, have left these ex colonies with agreements, right? Allowing that they could return, to, right? Mm-hmm, to to or at least get or um, work. Ability to work, come to work in the country, and to be able to get a visa mm. more easily. So they are definitely, you know, the UK is is right now is one of the biggest hosts of refugees from Hong Kong, for example. Interesting. So, you know, okay. Okay. Um, okay. So you know, what we can, what we can say is that what we're seeing in the UK is that uh, you know the the younger generations are growing uh, increasingly diverse. That is something we have from the from the national census. Just to give you a, a quick example, you know, the silent generation, so the one before boomers, mm-hmm. um, there were about 4% of people of color in the United Kingdom. Uh, if we look at Gen Alpha, we are talking about almost a quarter of people of color within the Gen Alpha population in the UK. So it's quite a, it's, <laughs> it's quite, quite a evolution. change. Yeah. Right, yeah, but yeah. it's not, it's not 50%. And I mean, if we think Gen Alpha is in the States and in North America is going to be even more than 50%. So that's interesting that it's getting the trend is similar, but in terms of where it sits, it's not the same yet. It's it's nowhere near. And and it's also nowhere near having the, the, the vocabulary and the words and the the openness that North Americans have when it comes to talk about races, right? So uh, I'm from France. I grew up in an environment when I was told there's no such thing as race. Well, but that it's interesting how that may or may <laughs> not link to 
to World War II and issues there, which is, it's interesting. Also race, you could say race is a construct. And yet there are, at least people would argue in the United States, there are systemic things. In North America, young consumers like to see themselves represented. And because they themselves are diverse, seeing diversity in content is important to them, important in terms of media and entertainment, in terms of advertising, in terms of the composition of boards of directors and employment groups. Now, if European conversation around this is a bit of a third rail, <laughs> you know, we don't want we don't want to talk about it. Is it, but do people talk about it? And is it important? Like, and if they do talk about it, how much of that is imported from America? Like I know our black lives matter movement, which was, you know, George Floyd spurred it. It, it happened here. Mm. And that was a very, it's tied up with American history and politics. But I know that there were reverberations overseas. Now, is that because of their domestic issues or is it sort of sympathy and culture bleed from North America? That's a very interesting question. A few things I have in mind. First of all, when we ask, and we are allowed to ask this question to young Europeans, do you think racism is getting worse in your in your country? say yes, it's getting worse. So we're talking of two in five say, I I think racism in in my country is getting worse. So that's a tangible data point that we have. And, you know, the other one is just based on on my personal experience. I've seen the difference between the kind of the two waves of of Black Lives Matter. Uh, The first one in 15 didn't really have an impact in Western Europe the Mm -hmm. way that the most recent one in 2020 had. It had a huge impact. Just to show you a quick example, in sports, some players took the issue to themselves and decided, hey, we're going to kneel before a game, right? You know, mm-hmm. some football players in England actually imported the concept, if you will, and started to do that. Now, in England, the, the Premier League looked at it and 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 decided, well, we have, we have something here, tangible action that the players themselves want to to take part of. And actually the league decided to to start a whole campaign saying it's going to be a campaign against racism and it's called now you can you can see it it's been around for a few years now no room for racism and it's now a huge campaign in in the UK uh, promoting the end of racism in in sports and in you know specifically in football. So just but Jake, you... haven't there been several sort of pretty horrific events with people with players who are of different race being criticized by fans. And so this isn't, that is a tangible issue which played out publicly. Yes. And, you know, the UK would have a very, very similar type of understanding or, you know, intellectual framework as the US, um, Mm. meaning we need the data in order to fight racism. In Western Europe, you know, young consumers want to see diversity. They think racism is getting worse. But their states are just not ready yet to you know, reconcile their past and start collecting data in order to take action. That's interesting, the danger of data or the feeling that data could be misused. Exactly. Um, yeah. In the United States, we have a census every 10 years, there's a census just to count so that we apportion representation properly and resources and things like that. Do other countries have censuses? have census, but unfortunately, you you will not get any data points on you know ethnicity or race. I think under very controlled circumstances, you will have things like countries of origin. But again, that you know that is a, a different question than right, right ethnicity, and it's really, really, really controlled. So, would you say that 
you know, if two in five say that racism is on the rise, does this, is this something that they then are activists around? Oh, yes. We're seeing a huge difference here between North America and Western Europe. What's the data point that I have to, to kind of illustrate my point is that, you know, 40% of young Europeans have already taken part in some sort of protest for social action. It's 20% in North America. So we're talking about young consumers who are very activated. They are ready to take issues to the street. And, you know, it's the old cliche of French always say no and always go to go to the street to, to take their issues. But it's it's quite true. It is in the in the culture in Western Europe that young consumers are used to raise their concerns by taking it to the street. Do they, I, I know that some of the survey numbers also said that they expect politicians to speak out. Do they expect brands to be activists? Is that an so, expectation for a yeah, brand? Yeah, completely. So what we're seeing between the two regions is that they have the same level of expectations with uh, when it comes to brands. Okay. Uh, so they want brands, by all means, to raise social issues, to educate, to talk about, to start conversations. The difference we will see is that young Europeans have maybe more um, higher ex expectations when it comes to their political leaders, more than North Americans. And again, that's part of the culture. You right. know, there's a culture in Western Europe that the state is here to help you, to protect you, and to also have a say in the social issues of the world. Right. When when lining up issues, where does racism fall on the issue ranking list if we're going to rank things? Yeah. So, you know, racism is on top of young consumers' okay. minds. So it's on top in Western Europe because that's where it is in, in North America North as well. America. So in the two regions, we see that racism is one of the top issues. One of the big differences is when, when it comes to social issues is that young Europeans are maybe more passionate about the environment mm -hmm. uh, than their North American peers. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the environment is not an issue for young consumers in North America. That's not the case. It is huge for these consumers. But what I'm what we're seeing is that it's higher on the list in Western Europe, on the list right. of you know, social causes they're passionate about. One of the things that I think is interesting is that the economy and it, and mm. inflation, which hits people personally, and is there's a higher rate of inflation in European countries than there is in the US. And when we think about how that changes people's buying habits and you have causes that are important to them and they also have personal pocketbook issues they want to go on vacation vacation is something they look forward to how does inflation affect that and then also eco consciousness one of the things that was challenging in north america was understanding they care about the environment but they buy fast fashion they go to big box stores mm. And yeah. so are you seeing different ha buying habits as a result of some of these issues or no? So, you know, typically what you're describing is we what we call the cost conundrum uh, mm -hmm. here at Wipols. And we, we actually dug into the topic a few months ago because it's so real among young consumers across the board, right? In North America okay. and Western Europe, they are passionate about social issues, right? But at the same time, especially the environment. But at the same time, you've got... They're going to buy well, fast fashion because they want to look well, the way yeah. they want to look and they want to pay not as much. I mean, that's sort of... Well, yeah, because you, you don't have the budget for buying, you know, super sustainable clothes. So what we're seeing, which is quite positive in the region, in Western Europe. So first of all, again, going back to what I was telling you about governments are really involved. Well, 
guess what? Governments in Western Europe are trying to regulate fast fashion. They're trying to say, oh, if you're not going to change, we're going to make you change. And oh, they are starting to put a lot of rules that will change the fashion industry as we know it in the future. So that's really something to keep an eye on if you're you know, a marketer in, in the industry. But also right. what we're seeing is that brands, obviously, they're not stupid. They, they also are realizing that they have to do something because young consumers care so much about the environment that there's a risk that they will stop buying fast fashion one day or another. Or they want these consumers to, you know, continue to buy from them as they they grow older and maybe they have, you know, bigger spending power. Well, right. And I was thinking if if Western here's here's my train of thought, if Western European young consumers are more activist, does that mean that they will set aside their desire for the certain outfit at a certain price in order to fulfill? Are they liable to change their personal spending behaviors to match an issue more quickly than a North American young consumer because of their, they're more activist? The, the yeah. tipping point is going to be slightly different. It's it's activist. And it's also because they are raised in an environment, in, a, in an ecosystem where the state is also pursuing this social issue. And, and the state is sending messages, if you will, constantly. Last month, right, the, the UK decided to ban plastic cutlery, cutlery from stores you go to or the, the, the fast food. So at the end of the day, they are receiving so many encouraging signs from the government that they also see that change is possible. And they are ready to change things because of their beliefs. And that's definitely what we're seeing among young consumers. That being said, obviously, and it's you reminded us of the current economic situation, we have nine in 10 young consumers in the region who tell us that they've seen their bills increase in mm. the last year. And as a result, they have to change their spending habits. They are reducing the amount of food they buy. They are reducing the typical shop that they used to do or their budget on entertainment. They're just trying to find ways to make it work. And they are definitely changing their 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 spending habits because of, of the situation. Right. Well, last question, because we can't leave talking about young consumers without talking about social media. <laughs> it, what is Western Europe's youth? What's their favorite social media platform? Okay. Well, it's really timely because we keep the pulse on social media a lot at White Pulse. And recently we have all the freshest data I have for you is a survey we did in February. And the result is that for the first time, TikTok became the the biggest platform, social media platform among Gen Z in Western Europe. Until then, it wasn't the case. We knew it was coming, to be honest with you, because, because okay. it's TikTok. Right. But now we can tell you that we're seeing exactly the same pattern in North America and Western Europe. TikTok is the social media platform that is used the most among Gen Z. Where are millennials? What's their top platform in Western Europe? In Western Europe, what we're seeing, one of the main differences in terms of social media platform is that those are a lot more into Instagram. Okay. They are they are a lot more slow to adopt TikTok. Um, we think it's going to come you know, pretty quickly. Mm. But right now, Instagram, it's still a good platform for advertisers because it's still used actually quite a lot among adults in Western Europe. Great. Last statement. If there's one takeaway that people should understand about Western European young consumers, what would you say they should keep in their mind? They should keep in mind that diversity is 
taken very seriously in, in Western Europe right now. And we're not just talking about race, ethnicity, but we're talking about a wide range of diverse features that young people want to see. They want to see brands advertising with diversity in mind. And we're talking about differences of bodies, religion, sexual orientation, gender, race, and ethnicity. You know, that's the whole package that brands need to embrace. And they shouldn't think, well, Western Europe is a bit more traditional than, than North America, so we don't really do diversity. No, 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 no. They should completely embrace it because young consumers in this region are asking for it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much. We reach the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice stars who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>